Lord, teach us today by your word. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. And let us never forget that nothing separates us from the love of God. Just like we love you, you love us. But even when we fail, you never fail. If you're watching today online and you feel forsaken, I just feel like there may be somebody out there this morning that's feeling like, I'm all by myself. Maybe in the natural, you're all by yourself. But he is with you. He said, I will never leave or forsake you. I will always be with you, even to the end of the age. And if you don't know him today, then all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. We call upon you today, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary. We thank you that you died for our sins. We thank you that we've been liberated to live a victorious life right now in this life, not when we all get to heaven. That'll be great. But we get to live a great life right here on earth all of the days of our life because God is great and good. Just thank him this morning, right where you are, if you're watching at home, just thank him this morning for focus on the things that you know he has provided, his abundant mercy, his abundant grace, his peace that passes all understanding, and the joy of the Lord that is your strength. We love you, Lord. We are here to magnify the name of Jesus, to lift up your name. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw a man into myself. So today, Lord, we know that Calvary was where you were lifted up, but you were lifted on beyond that to, seat at the, to sit at the right hand of the Father God Almighty, and you ever live to make intercession for us. Therefore, today, we bless you. We bless you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Give him praise. There's definitely no way to get off that piano quietly, smoothly, and walk over here at the same time. Thank goodness for John and Patricia and all the rest of the worship team that couldn't be here today. They live up in Monticello. But thank God for the group that came. Amen. Amen. When we praise the Lord, he comes. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. So it's not about how good we do it or anything else. Although I think our worship team is wonderful, amazing, hallelujah, and instant in season. And uh, that's, that's the key to following the Holy Spirit, instant in season. Let's make our confession, and then I'm going to share this word with you today. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. That's a good, good word there this morning. Um, we're going to share on Stay Tuned again today, and we've been talking uh, a lot about the Holy Spirit this month on purpose uh, because we really felt like the Holy Spirit uh, was the third person of the Trinity that not a lot of the church is familiar with. 
But the Bible says that it's not Jesus who lives inside our heart. We're not the temple where Jesus lives. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit because God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is at his right hand. He's not on a cross, but he's, we, we always say, invite Jesus into your heart. And that's really what we're doing. We're giving him the lordship over our life by inviting him into our heart. But it's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that actually comes in, according to John chapter 16, and begins to live in us. Everybody say, live in us. And, you know, I know that's a, a hard concept to understand. I wasn't raised that way. Uh, you know, I heard about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit even said a confession called the Apostles' Creed. But I said I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I, I believed in a whole lot of things I didn't even know about. You know, you can make confessions about things that you really don't have clear understanding on. And so I, when I got saved, when I got the revelation of Jesus would, would walk with me and talk with me just like the hymn I sang, for real. Everybody say, for real. Uh, it was life-changing for me. And so I'm sure last week, you know, I had a lot of comments on last week's message. And uh, all I can say is, that's the way I feel about the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is my helper. He's my friend. He's my comforter. And I recognize that in the world I live in, uh, I need to hear from the Lord. I need to know what God is saying to me on a daily basis. And I need to be willing today to live on the cutting edge. Everybody say living on the cutting edge. You know, um, when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit in us. In fact, let's put up that scripture, John 16, Sandy, and uh, just go through it, 13 through 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, how many of you want to know the truth? How many of you believe the world needs to know the truth? Uh, I'm glad you're with us this morning online because I know some of you weren't able maybe to get out here, but I do want to tell you the parking lot is always clean and uh, you can pray your way out 9th Street if you can get out of your driveway. So, hallelujah. I believe God will help you do that. I don't want anybody on the road who shouldn't be, so be led by the Holy Spirit. But do not be led by fear, because the author of fear only holds you back from what God has. The Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Everybody say, I need to know that. <laughs> we need to know those things. We need to know uh, truthfully what is coming according to the kingdom that we live in. The Bible says in, in I think it's First Peter, that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, which is what the world lives in until they know Jesus. And we have been translated into the kingdom of light. And that's where the revelation is. So, <clears throat> excuse me. That's the kingdom we live in. We're not, we're in the world, but we're not of it, Jesus said. And that's what he meant by that. We don't have to live by the world's uh, standards. We live by heavenly guidelines, the things that the Holy Spirit is saying. He will glorify me. This is Jesus speaking. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Everybody say, I can know what God wants me to know. And it's things maybe that you wouldn't even think of. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine 
and declare it to you. You know, when people have that expression that says, well, you never know what God's going to do. You just never know. That's not true. We can know. Now, we may be growing in our knowing, but you have a knower. Everybody say, I have a knower. <laughs> and that knower knows. <clears throat> and when you begin to tune in, stay tuned to the Holy Spirit, you can live on the cutting edge. Now, um, it's always amazing how God does things to encourage me in the words that he gives me. Because, you know, sometimes I think some of these message titles I get, uh, I, they just come and they're not my thinking. But uh, this one, I just heard this uh, one morning when I woke up last week, uh, living on the cutting edge. If you follow me, you will live on the cutting edge. And uh, the, the cutting edge is everything you need to know for today, for tomorrow. Everything you need to know for today, for tomorrow. In other words, you don't have to think about tomorrow because what you know today is going to take care of tomorrow. And tomorrow you'll get what you need for that day for the next. And so we don't have to be fretting. We don't have to worry about what's coming. Uh, we have the knower you know, inside of us. And it goes, this is another definition, latest or most advanced stage in the development of something, innovative and pioneering. That means we can do things that nobody's ever seen or heard of before. We can get ideas, we can get inventions, we can uh, know things that the world will prosper by, by our understanding of what the Holy Spirit's saying. Isn't that exciting? You know, uh, you're never too old to learn something new. I've learned that. And so the more open we are to learn, the more we can know. And then another definition, the most recent and advanced state of development in a particular type of work or activity with the newest systems and equipment. Everybody say, we're well equipped. And then it says someone or something that is the latest, the greatest, and the newest. Everybody say that. I'm the newest. The latest and the greatest that God has got. For right now, you're it. Now, God's not in trouble, even though you think he might be with that definition. But that's the truth. We are God's latest, greatest, newest thing walking on the earth. Because we're here for such a time as this. That's the word of God. And so as I looked at those definitions, I thought, Lord, that is really good. And I'll give you another scripture. In John 14, Jesus said, um, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. You believe in God, believe in me also. And I'm preparing a mansion for you. And then these are the words he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. Think about that. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. So if this word wasn't true, he wouldn't have said it. Amen. That just gives me chills. That's a, that is a, a word that needs to be thought about. If it were not so, I would have told you. So we're on our way to heaven, but on the way, we're the latest, the greatest, and the newest thing God's got for this world today. Amen? And that's not just us. That's anybody who knows Jesus and is being led by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, um, I picked up this card, and Miriam Johansson, have any of you ever gotten a card from Miriam? I mean, it's the most wonderful card in all the world. It's got scriptures and words and just edification from front. She's still going on the back side where, where they just put the name of the, who made the card. 
And, but, you know, she gave me this because uh, I celebrated 45 years of being saved a week ago this past Friday on the 22nd. And uh, some other things happened that day that God did that just amazed me. Uh, for, my, for my age, for who I am, for what I've walked in, and uh, I'm not at liberty to say that today, but, you know, just some things, God just, it was like happy birthday to you, uh, you know, and it was so exciting. Well, Miriam sends me a 45th anniversary card of my being saved. My husband says he's younger than me because he got saved after me, but, <laughs> you know, that day you get saved is an important day. Eyeballs open up. Everything is different because the Holy Spirit has come to abide inside of us. And uh, she has, in, it just in her, she said, uh, teaching us to be doers of the word, whatever word he gives to, to share, to keep your victory family on the cutting edge. Now, I had forgotten, I, I don't even know if I read it on that day. I just found it in all my stuff, honestly. I knew she gave it to me, but I just found it. So last night I picked it up to edify myself. Now, I'm going to give you a quick little lesson before I share today. You need to learn to edify yourself. There are not always people who are going to say you're the best thing going. They're not always going to say you're the latest, the greatest, and the newest. They've got other words to say because they're looking at your circumstance. But God looks at who he's made you for for this day, this season. And so when she said that, now she said a Lots of other words. I mean, you hardly can read the words in the card because she's written so many wonderful things. I keep this card with me. And when those people show up who are not edifying, I just get out my cards. I get my cards. I've got them in my Bible. I encourage all of you to get, a, get your little Bible cover. And I got my cards. All my cards right here. This is the last card my mom wrote to me. And I get it out and I read it. Pam and Bill, you have eased many broken hearts and straightened them out. <laughs> Together you are tops. I love you, I love you. Perfect children, repeat. Two wonderful, I read this. Per perfect children, that's what I am. We are perfect children. Amen. My mom told me this. And repeat, two wonderful minds, two wonderful hearts. Pam, you have made all of us happy with your music and examples of love for your family. Mom, I sat with her in the nursing home for three days. I was grumbling a little because she wanted to write everybody in the family this Christmas card two years ago. I mean everybody. I had to tell her who, you know, she'd say, and I'd say, yes, okay, write these names. I'd help her with her sentences. And it took her a long time. But I have this card. I don't ever have to forget what my mom said to me. Amen? I've got a card from my, my favorite person over there. I love you on the days when you're perfect in my eyes. And the days when I wonder why you do the things you do. <laughs> well, this is real stuff. You know, this is not, you know. But I keep these cards in my Bible. And, and Pastor Billy always tells me I'm his best friend and all these not beautiful wife, beautiful wife. You know, some days I look in the mirror, I need to get a card out because <laughs> it ain't looking so beautiful. Dave, bless Dave's heart, he showed up when we were getting our hair colored yesterday. He came around the corner and went, hello, you know. 
Chris is all bound up in something. I got silver things sticking out everywhere all over my head. But Chris said he kissed her goodbye, so she was still in good standing, so we're all right. Okay, this is from my daughter Gina down in Mexico. And she sends, sends me a card every now and then, so I got that card. I've got grandma cards. I've got mom cards from every one of my kids. Now, this is important if you have kids, because you know there are days where they may be saying things you don't want to hear. At least I've experienced that. I get out my mom card. You never fail to be the best mother. Hallelujah. This is what they really think. I love you, Mom. Thank you for loving me and raising me. Wow, that isn't what they always said. So I read that over. I'm so glad you are my mom. Praise Jesus. You know, I mean, really, this is just a little lesson today that I felt God tell me to encourage all of you. Stop saying no one cares about you. Everybody gets a card every now and then. Maybe you've only had one in the last five years. Carry it with you all the time. Read it. You know, my son Matt said, Mother, I'm going to stop buying cards. I said, well, then write a note because i got to have something. And they all know me. They know that I'd rather have a card than a present because those cards mean something. Now, let me tell you something else. Went to Mexico. People who couldn't even talk the language that I talk. I was sitting there, and God said, get out all your cards and give them to the people. And so I read a mom card, and I felt to go give it to this girl. And so I read it out loud. She sobbed, and God healed her broken heart over her mother right there. It's maybe not just for you. It could be for somebody else. That's being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And not say, I'm not giving up my mom card. That's my card. No. Everything I have belongs to God. If he wants to use it, then it belongs to him. Amen? You know, I just, I thank God for the things he's done in my life because it's made me free to not take offense. I mean, now there are times I have to count to ten and suck air before I can get there. And, and I may have to pray a lot, and I may have to pray in the Holy Ghost, but God has taught me when people say things, you don't have to take it. I was going through things at home because it's the end of the year. Found some cards from some people who, they don't like me anymore but they used to. So I read the card that they used to, that when they used to. I'm not going to think about when they, now they don't, because it's a devil. It is the devil that separates people. And he comes and he steals and he kills and destroys. And God will fix it one day, because I believe my card more than I believe the circumstance. Now, sometimes I cry a little. Nothing wrong with crying. Just read it and build yourself up. In your most holy faith. Amen? Just a little side note. Okay, here we go. Uh, Joshua lived on the cutting edge. He was a leader for God. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe I'm Joshua, okay? I'm just reading this today because I believe it pertains to anybody who follows after what God tells them to do. You've got to be a Joshua person. You have to be a person who thinks like Joshua thought. And that was that God had assigned him that responsibility to take those children in, into the new promised land that they were going into. And I just want to read a couple of things to you that have to do with cutting edge. And the Lord told me, when you live on the cutting edge, you are in the place for miracles. Because the cutting edge is where you're going to see God do something that maybe you've heard about, you've never experienced, or you're going to be the vessel God flows through to bring that about. 
And so it's important to live on the cutting edge. Joshua lived on the cutting edge. The first thing that happened was he had been under Moses all his young life. In fact, the first battle out of uh, Egypt, Moses is the one who fought it. I mean, Joshua's the one who fought it. Moses just was the leader up on the hill with people lifting up his arms. So we know the anointing came through Moses at that point, but it allowed Joseph to win the the, the or, I'm sorry, Joshua to win the battle. Amen? But there came a day where Moses wasn't there. So Joshua had to step in a position. God assured him that he was the leader. He says, I'm not going to read all of it, but he says, basically, Moses is dead. You're the one. And he said, I, what I've given to Moses, now I'm going to give it to you. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He understood that because he had someone that he had walked with, that he had seen God be God for them. And because he'd seen God be God for them, him, he had, they had seen God be God for them. Because that same anointing rolled right down onto Joshua because he was the next leader. And that's what's happened with you. What Jesus did on Calvary, he's your brother. Everything that he did is written right in here for us to follow. And as we follow that, then we become like a Joshua. The person, he went to heaven, but we're still here. And the things we have learned from what he told us, we can begin to walk in. And so it says, um, I swore to their fathers to, er, let me go back. Be strong and good, of good courage to this people. You shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong. He gave him what he told him he needed to be. And courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. In other words, what you've learned, then you need to do this. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Remember last week, you'll hear a word in your ear, and that's what you're supposed to follow. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, there's nothing in those instructions that's specific to the battles he'll face as far as a strategy of how he's going to win the battles. All it says is these are the things you're supposed to do. You need to know that what Moses taught you is what you're going to walk in, but you're going to grow from that to another level. So you're going to have to walk in this. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be courageous. You're, you're going to have to meditate the word day and night. What Moses knew is not going to help you do what you do. What you know is going to help you do what you do. In other words, you can, you've learned, but now it has to be you who does this. I get this because when we worked in Tulsa, I mean, we were under Pastor Billy Jones Sharon. We were the best cheerleaders on their team. I mean, we, we trusted them. We backed them up. And then God said, you go do it. Yeah. There is a whole different feeling, anointing, something that happens when you take point and you're not the one being the cheerleader. You know, oftentimes the people who are supposed to be cheerleaders are back there saying, they should have done this. They should do this. Why don't they do this? Well, what are they going to do? All those things. Those things stop the anointing of God. And God removes people who don't, right? He'll not removes them from earth. You're not going to die. But he will, he will set them aside from leadership or any way to influence. Because what they're doing is stopping 
the anointing, the flow of the Holy Spirit in that situation. We learned to be cheerleaders. I believe Joshua was a real good cheerleader before he became the leader. And so when it came time to lead, he already knew some of the things that he would have to know. But he was going to have to be in the Word. Everybody say, be in the Word. Meditate it day and night. Not just, uh, yeah, I read that before. Meditate on it day and night. Be in it all the time. It's, it's, the, it's the handbook for what God wants to do. It may not be specific, again, to what you're facing. Maybe you're facing something today at home, and, and you can't find in there, you know, go downtown and go to this store and buy this. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll give you enough leading that you will find yourself in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Amen? You just will. And so when he was, he said that he would be with them, only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. That was the people's response. So obviously the people began to see something in Joshua that said he's the leader. You know, I think in families today, we need children to understand their parents are the leaders. They're not the leaders. Their parents are the leaders. And, you know, there's a whole teaching on that I don't have time to go into today. But if you're meditating the Word of God and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you will know how to rule your home. You get older children, they're going to start doing what they want to do. That doesn't change your confession of who they are. That's just them practicing. And sometimes they practice in the wrong field. I've been down that road. But they do come around. They will come around because you're standing guard over that with your mouth, especially. Amen. I can't go there today. Okay, chapter 2. I think this is really something. Joshua said in verse 1, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove. You know what that place is really called? Shittim. Wouldn't you be glad to get out of Shittim? I would be glad to get out of Shittim. I heard Paul Doherty teach on this. He said they lived in Succoth. <laughs> Succoth. They lived there. But then they went to Shittim, and then they got out of Shittim. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I'm on the roll here. <laughs> How about Hallelujahville? I'd rather be over there. But anyway, you know, Joshua went with the spies. He and Caleb were the only two who said we can do it. <laughs> but he sends out spies. But guess how many he sent? A two. He didn't send 12. That's too many people to figure out what's going on. How many of you know a committee can tear you right down to the, you're in the ditch? You get two people of like faith. These guys went out, went to a harlot's house. I'm telling you, God's ways are strange. Amen? But it's cutting edge. Everybody say cutting edge. They went there. That harlot hit them on the roof. If you read that chapter, I mean, you need to read the first at least six, seven chapters of Joshua to encourage yourself. It's the most exciting story. Anyway, they came back and they said, we can do it. We can take it. But there were no instructions. Everybody say no instructions. The Holy Spirit is the one who instructs. Back here in this day, the Spirit of God would come, actually come. It would say the angel of the Lord would come and, and begin to give wisdom. We have the Holy Ghost doing the same thing today for us. I don't know what some of you are thinking out there, uh, watching online or maybe in here today, but it's time to do it. It's time to do what God is saying to do. And if you're not listening, you can think, well, it's not what I thought I'm going to do out there. Well, do what you're supposed to do right here because you're on your way out there. But if you don't do what's right here, you're not going to get out there. And so Joshua began to talk to the people, and I love this scripture. It's in Joshua 3. 
<clears throat> and it begins, I think, in verse 3. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place. For us, that would be like the Holy Spirit. When you know the Holy Spirit has said it, then it says, go after it. Everybody say, go after it. That's what he says. Go after it. When you see them, then you shall set one from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space. Everybody says, a space. Between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Everybody say new things. We're going to start talking about new things next week. But I want to tell you, this is a key. And I hear this a lot when the Lord speaks to me. I hear, do not turn to the right or the left. And I also hear, this is the way, walk ye in it. But I also hear this right here, stay back. Do not get ahead of me. Everybody say, do not get ahead of God. He said, you can be right behind me, but do not get ahead of me. Because the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in this story, makes a way where there is no way. There, it's, it's like a force that comes through and pushes and opens the door for us to walk through. If we go ahead of it, we can't get the door open. We cannot do it. And we run into like a wall, and then people back up. That happens to so many people who've heard from God, jumped out, I've done it, and gone real fast and run right into a door. Because they didn't wait for the Holy Spirit to make the way. When you know what the Holy Spirit's saying, there's faith attached. And when you walk by faith and not by sight, there's a force that's in your life that as you begin to follow God, he opens the door and then he'll walk you right in. He'll take you right in. I've heard the Lord say to me many times, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it, not you. So you just sit there and you wait for me to do it. I've prayed for somebody to play this piano and God has not sent somebody, and God said, why do you think I haven't sent anybody? Because I want you to play the piano. Oh. But that's, I don't want to play the piano. I'm kind of tired of playing the piano and doing this. He said, well, I'm not tired of it yet. Amen? That's, you just do what you have before you to do. Now, I complained to my husband about it, but he puts me right in my place real fast. So I quit complaining to him. He is not fun to complain to. Okay, let's go over to, um, let's see, let's look at verse 9. Uh, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. This is what Joshua is saying to the children of Israel, same chapter. By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail, everybody say without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all the ites are going to be moved. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. That is an exciting scripture. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And that, what that means is the presence of God is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest, now the priests were the ones bearing the ark, which was the presence of God, who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. 
Everybody say, the Lord himself gets in the situation. He gets in the Jordan. And when he steps into the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from the upstream, they shall stand as a heap. And they go in. They go in. But immediately they end up in, in a situation to take something they don't know how to take, which is Jericho. And God comes up with the weirdest battle plan ever. If you're a military person like my husband, this is not what the cutting edge would be to a military person. That would be what you call the brink of disaster. We're going to walk around the, the city. We're going to blow trumpets. We're not going to talk. That'd be a big one right there. We're not going to talk. The last day we're going to go around seven times, and then we're going to blow a trumpet, and we're all going to shout, and the walls will fall down. Okay, get started. That's the Holy Ghost. Everybody say cutting edge. There was such an anointing on that battle plan because it was God. And it was God for Jericho. I've been to Israel. I've been by Jericho. There ain't anything there. Just a bunch of old broken down stuff. Jericho's never been made what it was before. But the Bible says it will never be again what it was before. God is true to his word. Everybody say God knows what needs to be done. That's called the cutting edge. Joshua did what God said. And all the people did what God said. And the victory came and the walls fell down. Amen? You know, you think about that story, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. You know, and sing a little ditty and think, oh, well. No, this is a big deal. But it's big deal time for the church right now. It is. The opposite of that is Nathan, and I'm not going to go into 2 Kings and read it all. But, you know, Nathan, um, he was the commander of the army in 2 Kings to the king of Syria, but he had leprosy. Now, I'm going to show you the difference here. He had leprosy, and one of the Israelite young girls that was rescued out of Israel, or really captive out of Israel to Assyria, was... Um, a servant to his wife. And she said to the, to the wife, oh, if my master could just get to Israel, there's a prophet there that could heal him. Amen? Well, you know, anybody in their right mind would want to be healed. And I'm sure leprosy separated him from a lot of things. I'm surprised he was even the commander of the army. But this is, uh, he went to the king. Naaman went to the king and told him the story of there's this prophet that I could go to. And so the king said, well, you go on down to Israel. I'll write a letter to the king of Israel, and uh, he will help you. You just go on down there. So he went. Well, they wrote the letter to the king, and uh, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I've sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Well, it's not the king who's going to do it. And so this is, it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please con re or consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. He thinks he's trying to start a fight. And he says, When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he said, Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. So, long story short, Naaman and his servant go to Elisha. 
And when they get there, um, Elisha doesn't even see Naaman. And he just says to him, uh, to, his ser- to his servant, uh, send a messenger to him and say, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. He didn't even take time for it. Well, here's where the flesh rises up against the spirit. This is where the problem comes in with people being on the cutting edge. This is where people start making wrong decisions because their flesh rises up and what they've started in the spirit, they begin to say, I'm not doing that. Because Naaman, this is Naaman, became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He had this grandiose idea of how God was going to do this. And because Naaman was told to go down to the Jordan by someone other than the prophet, he wouldn't go. He, He went to leave. And his servant came there and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped in the the Jordan seven times according to the saying of the man of God, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Amen? What God began to show me was you've been given weapons of warfare by the Holy Ghost. Every one of us. Every one of us. But that obedience to do what God says and not let your flesh rule. In, in um, 2 Corinthians it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What does that mean? They're not of us. These weapons of the, of the Holy Spirit, they're not of us. They're of God. And for the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and verse 6, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When Naaman went and dipped, he received what was promised, what the, what the prophet told him. Um, I don't have time to share today on the nine gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it says they belong to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives them at will. I cannot tell you how many people in the 30-some years we've had this church that the Holy Spirit has given words of knowledge, words of wisdom, uh, healing, things that have happened in this church. Just Wednesday night, a lady came to me and she said, that message of, on Sunday just turned me upside down and threw me through the rafters, and I'm not afraid to leave my house anymore. I said, well, praise Jesus. Now, she didn't come in here and do anything. She couldn't even get out of her house. But the word of the Lord somehow translated to her, you do not need to sit in this house. Now, she's not here today because of the snow. But she came Wednesday night. She said, I will be there, and I'm not going to sit in my house anymore. Because God has liberated me from that spirit of fear. Everybody say, praise Jesus. Where the anointing is, there's power to liberate people. And so we have these gifts that God wants to use. I cannot tell you the times I've prayed for somebody at the altar and they looked up at me and said, how did you know that? 
I said, I didn't, but God does. And God wants you to be free. This isn't about what I know. This is about what God knows about you. That's how much he loves you. He knows this about you. And so he released those gifts. Everybody say those gifts. You, if you know the Holy Spirit in your life, those gifts are ready to flow. At will, his will, not yours. You know, don't go around giving somebody a word that you'd like them to do. That will not work. But if you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and he says, say this, you say it. Sometimes I've had words that I've had to say that people didn't receive at the time. But later, God has begun to re reveal it. You know, God wants to use every one of us in this day by the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's called cutting-edge ministry. It's where you allow the Holy Spirit. But why are there nine gifts and nine fruits? There's nine fruits because if you don't have the fruit going, your gifts are going to get you in trouble. The fruit of the Holy Spirit causes the gifts to be able to flow out of us in a way that Jesus would let them flow. I'm not always full of love. You can ask my husband. I have days. But, you know, when I get weary, maybe. But, but there's things that can attack me. The devil knows. How many, you know, the devil knows where your weak spot is. And so on those days, I have to let the love of God, which flows from the Holy Spirit, guide me in the gifts that God tells me to, to use. But we have weapons. Everybody say weapons. Our greatest weapon is the love of God. It's the one that has to be the solid in our lives because what we're starting to face and what we're going to face, without the love of God, we won't be able to overcome. I mean, we won't even get in the door of people's hearts because they're so broken and so hurt. And so the flesh, everybody say the flesh. Now, the flesh likes to have its way. And so in Galatians 5, this is what it says, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. You know what this affects? Your faith and your ability to be led by the Holy Spirit. You won't be able to operate. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. How many have ever done something you really didn't want to do it after you did it? You knew you shouldn't do it, but you just had to get it out. I just had to say it. You know, I can remember... A situation in this church where somebody who had come here for a long time and then they got in a bad bad situation and they stopped coming and on the day they came back finally they came back sat on the very back row somebody said to him well do we need to give you a visitor card they left and never came back just those words watch what you say because what you say and how you say it if it's not filtered through that fruit of the Holy Ghost and the need of that person, can absolutely turn them off. You may be totally right. I mean, they were trying to make a joke. But see, they were so wounded that when those words flew out their mouth. Now, my husband said, well, they'll need, they need to grow up. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit operates differently than we do. It's absolutely true. And if we have our opinion, we start spouting off stuff. And, and I used to be able to do this real well. I mean, I had a mouth to end all mouths, and I used it all the time. My sister's laughing because she knows I did. And boy, when God got a hold of me, he said that things are about to change. 
And my husband, this this year, he said to me, because he's in retirement now, he said to me, things are about to change around here. I said, yes, they are. (laughs) But it's true. Things change. But we have to. Paul said, I'm all things to all people that I might win them to the Lord. It's, it's, It's that love of God that keeps you loving people that are not lovable. And we got a lot of them out there right now that are really fighting a lot of things in their life. Jude said, you're going to have to earnestly contend for the faith. That's the last book before Revelations. And um, I believe that it says in Galatians, right before the same chapter as it says we war against the flesh, uh, it says, stand fast in the liberty that you've been called in. And faith works by love. And if you don't stand fast in that liberty, you're not going to be able to walk in that. We're going to close with Jude. If you'll stand this morning, I want to read this to you. Um, This is in Jude. Jude doesn't have any chapters. It's just one chapter uh, short, but really to the point of where we're living right now. Um, And it says that Jude wanted to write to them about other things, but he had to do this. Beloved, while I was diligent to write to you, Concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once delivered to all the saints. Then he goes on and he talks about what the world's going to be like, the apostates, the people that knew God, the people that are doing things that you never, how many of you know people that are doing things you never thought they would do? I mean, they're living in, and they think they're right, and it's like there's no revelation anymore of what, and that whole chapter talks about that. And then, it, but it, what it says to us, to maintain your life with God, it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, praying in the Holy Spirit. James 3 says that the tongue is the hardest part of the body to control. And it, out of it, go cursing and blessing at the same time. I believe that's why God gave us the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because he wanted to get a hold of the very thing in our body that could cause the biggest shipwreck ever in our life, which is our tongue. That's why the church worldwide, a lot of churches fight against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this is what the Holy Spirit does. It takes you out of control and puts God in control. People love to be in control. They love to be the one who's making the decisions. And they feel safe if they're making decisions. I knew, I know I did that as a single mom. If, if I didn't want in control, who's going to be in control? You know, these kids? I don't think so. I have to be in control. And God taught me, no, you're not in control. I'm in control. I'm the father. You're the mom. And that's the way we're going to run this ship. And so when you let God do this, God takes over. Building yourself up in, in, the whole, in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, and lastly, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto, unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion, making a distinction, but others, save with fear, not, not fear like you're scared, with reverence for what's going on pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Amen? And that's just about the last he said before Revelations. 
this is what the Lord woke me up this morning. I, I, got, I told Bill I woke up and I cried. I, I was laughing, and I thought, Lord, do, why do we have to talk at 5? I heard Dan say God woke him up at 5. I don't know. God was awake at 5, I guess. But I heard this. You can be on the love boat and have a cruise director of the Holy Ghost. Or you can get on the Titanic, and there's not revelation, except it's beautiful, it's new, it's a new thing, it's a cruise. And there's an iceberg. And not just what you see is the problem. What's underneath is much bigger. I thought, Lord, I laughed. I said, Lord, that was really good. I remember the love boat. Remember Julie and the love boat? The love boat. And the Lord said, I am love. If you get in my boat and listen to the cruise director, you're going to see miracles. You get in that Titanic thing that looks like wonderful. Listen, this has to do with the whole thing that's going on in the world today, especially in the United States of America. The Titanic is floating, but the cruise ship is up and running too. The love boat. And that's the people of God who are going to make a change in what's happening in the earth. And we don't have to be the president to do it. Amen? Or the vice president or the senate or the congress. Because what we're going to do is change people from the inside out by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Father, I thank you today for every person here. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it's truth. I thank you that you cause us to live above and not beneath. We are the church of the living God, the most holy God. And that you are involved in everybody's life here today, whether they acknowledge it or not. And I know the people that are here this morning <clears throat> because we're fewer in number due to the snow. So I know these people, and I know they're listening to the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of you that are watching this morning are listening to the Holy Spirit. But there's a lot of things coming that we're going to have to stay tuned. This isn't a once-a-week-on-Sunday event. This is a day-by-day-by-day day by day event for your family, for your household, for your children, for the parents in that home. If you're a single mom, single dad, God has an answer for you, and you're not, you're not incapable of raising your family. You need the help of the Holy Spirit, and he will be whatever you can't be. But God wants to take this, the control, the wheel of, of your life. That, that He wants to be the one showing you and knowing you and you knowing him well enough that he can take control of your life and trust that he's going to do what needs to be done for your life. I want to pray for you today that the Holy Spirit of God will become more and more real to you in this year of 2021. If the Holy Spirit becomes more real to you, Jesus will be so real to you. And your Father God, he will be your Father for this season that we're walking through. I pray right now, especially for the men that are listening today. I pray that God has ordained you to be a leader in your family, a leader in your business, a leader in the situations that he has placed you in as provider for your home, for your family. And I have a word for you. I believe it's the Holy Spirit today. You are not responsible for the finances, God is. You are responsible for the decisions that cause the finances to flow into your home. And in Jesus' name, I pray for wisdom for men in this congregation and watching that you will become all God's called you to be by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You will know how 
to minister to your family. If you're married, you'll know how to minister to your spouse. You'll know how to minister to your children. That you will be a man of integrity, a man of good word, a man who speaks life and health and wholeness into your family. I pray for the women that are watching today or that are in this room that we will become who God's called us to be. We are leaders alongside our husband or by ourselves. We are called and anointed for a purpose and a destiny. God said to create them in his image, male and female. I thank you that as women, we will know what our role is. Lord, we have a, such a mixed up world as to women's rights. Our rights are in Jesus Christ, and they are positive, and they bring life and not death. They bring hope. They, they weave an environment around us that says that you are good and that you are for us, and we trust you. We trust you to lead if we're married our husband or lead as the one who's leading us as the father to show us the things that we need to do. We do not walk in fear, and we are not silly, as it says in 2 Timothy 3. We're not gullible in the name of Jesus. We don't go around chatting and making time for just uh, gossip, but we do the will of God, and we are strong in God. We are mighty in God. I pray for children today. In this church and those that are watching from home, I pray for the children that they will live all their days following Jesus Christ. They will know the Lord. They will walk in the goodness of God. They will expect God to be their source and take care of them when they're old enough to understand that they are givers. They're taught from a young age to give to the Lord, knowing that God is the one who will cover them and take care of them. In Jesus' name, we will not be depleted in the day we're living in. Families will be strong and mighty in God. We are not receiving the report of the world that says the family is, is not uh, living in, in power and authority anymore, and it's all scattered. That is the, what the world has done, but we are not of the world. We are of the kingdom of God. The church has strong families. This church has strong families, and we walk in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit all the days of our life. If you're sick today, if you're struggling with disease and, and pestilence and all those things that are going around, I pray healing over you in the name of Jesus. If that's you and you're in this room, put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. God is the healer. He is the deliverer. Thank you, Lord. We have a healed bunch here. I believe we have a healed bunch out there. But those that are suffering, we speak to you right now in the name of Jesus for your body to come in line with the word of God, for healing to come into your body from head to toe. I thank you, Father, that they are led by the Holy Spirit in what they do, the decisions they make, the foods they eat, the places they go, the people they associate with. They are led by the Holy Spirit, and they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. They were healed, settled at Calvary in their life. I bind those today. Just keep praying because God's doing some. We bind the, the work of the enemy of those held in captivity. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Those that have, have given in to strongholds uh, due to hurt wounds, uh, just due to rebellion or whatever it is in Jesus' name. We bind the work of the devil and we loose the love of God that is so powerful that it will deliver them from darkness. It will pull them out it will pull them out like it said in Jude. We pull them out of the fire today. We pull them out of the work of the enemy. And we, we see them translated under the fire of the Holy Spirit that cleanses and heals and separates people from sickness, sin, disease, pestilence, drugs, alcohol, pornography, 
uh, every, every kind of perversion in the name of Jesus. We speak liberation to you in the name of Jesus today. You are free. You are free. That's what the word says. If you know Jesus, you are free. If you don't know Jesus right now, you're, we're going to pray, and you're going to pray with us. And the word of God has become power, will become powerful in your life. You are going to know that you know that the spirit of God has come into your life, and you will be changed forever because the word of God says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You will be delivered. You will be healed. It may take a little bit, but it took a little bit for you to get to where you are. This is going to be a good road to follow. Let's all pray this. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you he died especially for me. Even though he didn't know me way back then, he knew me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I ask you, Jesus, to show me, teach me, lead me by your Holy Spirit so that I can become all that you intended for me to be. My mistakes, erase them. I ask you to forgive me and erase them and show me the new path the journey before me, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen? Say this, I am a child of God. I'm called for such a time as this. I pull down strongholds. I cast out devils. I speak the word. I lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Because Jesus said so. And if it weren't so, he would not have told me. Therefore, I obey the Holy Spirit of God. I am thankful that I am whole, complete. I have been resurrected. I am healed. And I praise God every day for his gifts. I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And my labor is not in vain. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Go and be blessed at home. Now you can eat your fried chicken. Oh, grilled. Excuse me.